Listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. All right, there, Hollywood, just like David Lee Roth said, look at all the people not here tonight. Yeah, baby. This episode is all about the mighty Van Halen or the influence that Van Halen has had on the many, many kick-ass rock and roll bands that we love today. You with me, baby? Yeah, I'm with you, but uh, I'm thinking I'm going to veto this whole episode because you didn't start with Sammy Hagar and I want to start some shit. So, you know, let's just get it out of the way. Is it Van Hagar or Van Halen? Dude, this is all about Van Halen. <laughs> I don't think Van Hagar influenced Jack Diddley shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you never hear that Van Hagar influenced, right? People. You just don't ever hear about it. Cause you know, Van Halen's classic. There's no doubt about it. That, I love both. We've said that before. Hell, I love the Gary Sharon Van Halen. So it just depends on what mood I'm in. Yeah, listen, I softened my blow on the Sammy Hagar Van Halen. There's quite a bit of that stuff that I like, but make no mistake about it. In my youth, it was all about the mighty original Van Halen. And uh, Van Halen, without a doubt, because they were a groundbreaking band in 77 78 coming up on the uh the rock scene where for most people rock was kind of on its way out at that point at least according to a lot of the things i read you know it's not like i can recount that period of time in my life because i was a little bit young at that point but from all the stuff i read you know rock was kind of taking a back seat Disco was coming into the picture in 79 and 80, and it was Van Halen that really kind of lit a spark under rock and roll's ass, from what I read, anyway. You know, I wasn't, I was alive, but I wasn't old enough to realize what was happening. Yep. But I, now that I think back on it, they brought the party back, right? Because if you're looking at Zeppelin or Sabbath or even Aerosmith with some of the ballads, or like the party was not really there kind of got dark in the 70s. Well, here's my take on it, is that they were kind of the originators of party rock. I mean, I don't think party rock really existed at that point in time. I mean, this was Southern California beach party rock and roll, you know? I mean, this is where these guys were from, Pasadena uh, and Southern California and just the backyard barbecues and the, I guess legendary backyard parties that they were a part of 
so they created a whole new genre within the rock and roll community, in my opinion. Yeah, and it was upbeat music, right? That's why disco did so well in that era. I think people were ready for like upbeat dance type music, but in the rock and roll world, people were ready for like some like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Maybe this this dark stuff that Sabbath singing about is not fun. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And then coupled with the upbeat and the party uh, rock and roll kind of vibe, you know, they had these huge harmonies and. Along with that, of course, you had these thundering drums and ridiculous new guitar sounds. And then you had a good-looking blonde guy that was going apeshit on stage and kind of the ringmaster of it all, right? Yeah, I kind of, you know, I got into Van Halen late. So by the time I get in, uh, Sammy's already in. So, and I was already a Sammy fan because I kind of got into this whole rock music about 84, so VOA was out. So Sammy was all over TV with I Can't Drive 55, and uh, I just loved his voice. So when they announced he was going to join Van Halen, I'm like, oh, he's going to join the Jump Guys. That's kind of cool, because, you know, for everything that David Lee Roth is, and I get it, he's a great front man. You know, to me, I just prefer Sammy as the vocalist. Roth didn't exactly wow me with the vocals. Now... The stuff he did after Van Halen with the videos and the craziness and all the things that people probably knew about him in 78, 79, 80, 81 or whatever as he was coming up in Van Halen. I kind of saw after he left Van Halen because those videos are just timeless. Yeah. Well, listen, before we get too deep into the woods with this Under the Influence of Van Halen episode, because this is only our second Under the Influence episode, let's explain real quickly the idea behind this episode, and then we'll do a little bit of house cleaning and we'll get into the show. How's that sound? That sounds good. So just to give you an idea of what the Under the Influence series is all about. We've done one of these so far, and then I did one that was under the influence of ACDC over on the Decibel Geeks show. But under the influence is finding bands that were influenced by these iconic bands. So an earlier episode we did was under the influence of Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones, of course, an iconic band, and they influenced so many other bands in the hard rock genre, either by what they wear or their stage show or their actual sound. So in this episode, we're going to cover the mighty Van Halen, because Van Halen, whether it was Eddie or David Lee Roth or Michael Anthony or the big background vocals or Alex Van Halen's thunderous drums they've influenced a whole host of bands coming up on the scene. And whether that was in appearance or the way they sound or the way their show was, but we're going to cover some of those bands that you may or may not have heard of. Some of them are a little bit deeper tracks. There's a lot of obvious bands out there and maybe we'll talk about them a little bit, but we kind of dug a little bit deeper and didn't quite go with just the obvious choices. It's a real obvious choice to say a band like the Bullet Boys were influenced by Van Halen, probably because of the singer, probably because of Ted Templeman, you know, but we're really not going to talk a whole lot about the Bullet Boys on this episode. We're going to go a little bit deeper. 
and then we're just going to talk about all the things that we think Van Halen kind of bought to the scene back in 78. Sound about right? That is correct. It's going to be fun. All right, great. So before we get into that, we got to do this. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right, so Facebook and Twitter after... Uh, We did the Mark Ferrari episode, which was great. So if you haven't heard that yet, please go back and check that out. And after the solo wild hair episode came up, we got a couple of questions that uh, the listeners would like you to answer. So question number one, Stephen, was, is the band breaking up? Shit, no. The band ain't breaking up. We're confident in our own abilities that we can step out solo at any given moment. Shit, Sonny steps out solo at least once a week on another podcast. Now, how come nobody ever asked you whether the band's breaking up then? Yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, uh, for anybody that thinks I can do a podcast on my own, you are sadly mistaken. It took everything I had to do that one episode. There might be one in the future, but yeah, it wasn't easy. I just kind of had a wild hair and had to do it at least once. I disagree. You could do a podcast on your own, but let's face it, just like David Lee Ross said, it ain't going to be as fun, baby. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second question we got is, now that I did basically a solo episode with music, will you be doing a solo episode with music? Well, you know, that's an interesting idea, and I would be happy to do that, but under what moniker would I do that? Would I do that under... Uh, Steven has a wild hair, uh, sultry Steve. <laughs> I'm not using the sultry thing, man. That's all you call me that I'm not adopting that moniker. How about, uh, Steven has a Cobra up his ass and it's on fire. <laughs> Steve, Steven's Cobra's in fire. I don't even know how to phrase that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. If somebody's got an idea for a Steven solo album, send them the title. Steven goes solo acoustic, but the catch is, is none of it's acoustic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be good. All right. So the folks that shared us on Facebook and retweeted us on Twitter were Vinny Folletti, Rob Alanis, Chris Sinzak, Kalen Provo, Avin D., Music Love, Jason Kearney, Mike Parnell, Save Rock and Metal, Chris Fretwell, Courtney Cronin-Dold, Mark Winder 8, Rodney Dixon, 2000 Geronimo, Arrowhead, Daredevil Production, which is uh, the Climb podcast, which, by the way, is awesome if you haven't checked that out. Bill Elam, Classic Rock Drops, Chris James A., Helite, Eladio, Damn Good Movie Memories, Despo Geek, Daryl Alber, HK Collectibles, Adam Cox, David Hudson, Sitting Bull, <laughs> Sitting Bull, that's interesting, uh, Bill Algy, Tony Masalam, Peter Cessary, The Peter Principles, Dirk Sokolowski, The Mooger Fugger, Jay Sabluski, Ages of Rock, Rick Frio, Music Lover, SF, Sanjali and Deepak, okay, uh, Karen Osborne, Kaylee J, Janet Eck, Shuana Lee, Ogata, Steve Wright, Kerry Morgan, Brad Rustoven, Trace Mess 469, The Nighter, Mike Jones, Dan Nation, 
Colin Francis, I Love It Loudcast, Digital Kill the Radio Star, Baco, our buddy Baco there, Abby K Music, Arthur King, Potter Than Hell, Ed Koch, Barcelo Verzi, Jeffrey Anderson, Cobras of Fire Podcast, Scott Gull, Little Fish, Bella Lowe's 1966, Lime Link, Alan Tate, David Cathy, HairnetRadio.com, Restrained, and Podchaser. So thank you very much for retweeting and sharing us on Facebook. Speaking of Podchaser, it's extremely easy to go over to Podchaser.com and leave us a review, either review individual episodes or leave us a review or a rating on our podcast. I've got a few to read. I mean, we get pretty good steady flow of ratings and reviews each week. But this one goes back to the Monty Pittman episode that we did. And Rocker Chick NY70 says, very interesting to hear Madonna's guitarist talk about how he got the gig how teaching guitar keeps his skills sharp, as well as hear how very different his own music is from the Pop Legends catalog. Boy, that's an understatement. Uh, really great hard rock from a guy that clearly puts a lot in his craft. Yeah, Monty, Monty Pittman is a heavy dude. He's got a, His music is heavy, but uh, he's been the longtime guitar player for Madonna and just very serious about his craft, so he was fun to talk to. If you haven't heard that episode, go check it out. That was a bonus episode that we did uh, a few months back. Well, we did that rock and roll trivia, and a couple people answered back and told us what they scored. Super fun episode and well-researched. Trivia hints were awesomely written, and I really wanted to know more about some of the stories I'd never heard like the one about someone witnessing a suicide. <laughs> Sensational. That was about the Rob Halford thing, I think he said. Yeah, it was. Uh, let's see. And by the way, by the way, the Mooger Fuger sent me uh, a message. He said he would have smoked both you guys because he had all the answers in like three hints. All right. Well, Mooger's probably lying. Mooger, I think you're lying. I don't know. I, I'm not sure I can trust you. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood's wild here. Uh, Badger Lover. <laughs> Badger Lover says, 10 great songs. Hollywood should pick all the music from now on. Will Steven do a solo episode to respond? Um, no, Hollywood shouldn't pick all the music because you'd have a bunch of uh, pussy music on there. Wait a minute. Did I just say that? My bad. I'll bleep that Nice. Out. Nice. <laughs> Sonny <laughs> did well hopefully there will be more of these like the more music less talk feels more like radio cool what the funk what the funk says good idea people should check out this funky episode i dare you i think some people took uh jeremy t living up on that dare <laughs> and uh love gun kept it really uh short and said super funky episode <laughs> <laughs> so that's the idea behind that all right so that puts a capper on the grown-ups of the week so now it's time to crack me up, crack me up! it's time for the crank it up new music spotlight all right so for the crank it up spotlight we are featuring a band 
out of Vancouver, Canada called Lachinga. So Lachinga, a hard rock power trio with psychedelic powers sitting on the world's edge in Vancouver, Canada. Draws from Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, MC5, and their own bad habits to conjure up 45 minutes of sublimely confident freedom rock that comprises Beyond the Sky. So that's what we're all getting ready to get into now. Give a listen to Nothing I Can Do from La Chinga. So when I, I had never heard it before, heard it for the first time today. It definitely has got that Zeppelin vibe. I love the groove and that 70s feel. Yeah. And I think this is what people are talking about with Greta Van Fleet. Although I really like Greta Van Fleet, here's a band that is taking the influence of Zeppelin and kind of making their own thing because they've got a few other things in there where Greta Van Fleet, the influence is very, very heavy. Right. I think that's the difference. Yeah. But do you think that that's because the singer for Greta Van Fleet basically sounds so much like plant? Yeah. But I mean, there's vocal phrasing there too. You can sound like somebody change the vocal phrasing a little bit and you wouldn't be dead on the guy. Like this guy sounds a little bit like plant, but his vocal phrasing is just different. 
Yeah, agree. This this band has a lot of uh, Sabbath influence too. They're very kind of heavy. I won't say doomy or stonery because they like to call this shit stoner rock sometimes. But this is a really good record. This record came on my radar about uh, a week or two ago. I take that back. It's been about a month now. But this record came on my radar about a month ago, and this record came close to actually making my top 10 for the year. Uh, I really, really enjoy this record, but uh, at the end of the day, I just hadn't spent enough time with it, but it's definitely worth giving a listen to this record. It is called, again, Beyond the Sky is the name of the record. They've got a few other records out there, but this is a band that makes a lot of damn noise for three-piece. I would be interested to see them live to see what the feel is because that song's pretty good. I want to check out more for sure. Yeah. Awesome. All right, let's get into it. All right, so we're ready for our full-on discussion of Under the Influence of Van Halen. So we talked a little bit about it at the top of the show, which was just some of the general feel of the time in, you know, late 77, 78, when Van Halen was putting out their first record. They had already been on the Southern California scene doing backyard barbecues and such for many years before that. So they were kind of, you know, just feeling out the situation, making their own way. But the influence that they had, a lot of people, I think, gravitate straight towards Eddie Van Halen in terms of the influence that he had. But And he did. I mean, his influence is huge. But I don't think it stops with just Eddie. Dave and even Alex. I know for myself, when I first uh, started getting into music towards you know, the late 70s, early 80s, those first couple years in high school, I don't remember ever seeing anybody with four kick drums. Alex Van Halen had this ridiculous, huge kit at one point in time. And so I think that Alex, for all that he does, I don't know that he gets enough credit for some of the influence that he bought on the scene. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and the same thing with Michael Anthony, because uh, now that I'm remembering back, I remember all the music I was listening to in the mid-80s, late-80s. I was very interested in who was doing the high parts. Like, who's doing that backing vocal? Who's doing the high parts? They, they, you know, they're like the Michael Anthony of this group. You know, that high vocal that complemented the melody, I don't think Van Halen's the same catchy hooks without that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I mean... I don't think there were any big background vocals in rock and roll. You know, you can talk about Queen and stuff like that. It's not that there weren't any existence of these kind of vocals in rock and roll, but there was just something different because Van Halen was heavy at the time, that first record, but they were still melodic and these big background vocals. So it was... You know, it was just an interesting mixture of rock and roll and 
you know, I don't necessarily want to say pop, but there was pop influences when you listen to songs like Dance the Night Away or um, Women in Love, things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, obviously we're not in their headspace and it's not 1977, but if you look at the landscape, you're like, okay, we want to make songs that are rock songs, obviously. We want to bring the party back or have or start party rock if it's not there yet. And then we want to have like these sing-along songs because really the only one that has that, you either got to be in pop or like there's like these anthems that like Kiss and Aerosmith do, but you don't see everybody singing, right? Maybe we can have something that's got three-part harmonies and it's sing-along stuff and everybody's enjoying themselves and they hit the mark. Yeah, I mean, for sure that. And I think, you know, Dave made it quite clear early on that he wanted people dancing. I mean, that was his main objective is to kind of make people, you know, shake their ass. Whereas Alex and Edward were much more kind of rock and roll, you know? Yeah, but I got to say that if it wasn't for Dave being as flamboyant and the personality being as big as it is, I don't know if Van Halen would have had the same influence, I guess, is the way to put it. I think it's the perfect storm. I think that goes back to any influences. You look at the major bands of the time, the Aerosmiths, the Zeppelins, the Stones, you know, they all had this whole guitar player, lead singer duo, right? It was Perry and Tyler with Aerosmith. It was Richards and Jagger with the Stones. It was Roth and Van Halen with Van Halen, right? Yeah, that makes sense. And then I could see Momstein going, yeah, we don't want no Dave Lee Ross here. This is about me, baby. Which is exactly why he's not that big of a deal. (laughs) 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 Don't hate on Ingve. Ah, Jesus, man. The guy's a good guitar player. Let it go. Uh, Anyway, this isn't about him. It's about van halen and so we want to spotlight some of the bands we think took a little bit of their influence even if they don't sound exactly like van halen they got something else from van halen whether it was their stage show or their lead singer antics or whatever why don't you spotlight one for us right now all right so the approach i took you know i'm like okay how do i start with who van halen influenced because i think all of the bands I loved are somehow influenced by Van Halen. So I decide, let's go ask the experts. So I go to the Van Halen boards. I ask a simple question. <laughs> Name a band or musician that was obviously influenced by Van Halen. I literally got the phone book. Comments like, wasn't everybody? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. I'm like, damn, dude, this does not help. And wow, the Van Halen message boards are Wow. I mean, the interaction is incredible yep. for a band that's really not active right now. The interaction about this band is, was amazing. Um, I probably got 80, 90 hits. It was crazy. But one of the ones that came up and I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, was White Lion. So Vito Brada, I mean, there was people calling Vito Brada, Vito Van Halen, New York Van Halen, Vito New York Van Halen. They were <laughs> nicknaming what they wanted him to be, I guess. And Vito's incredible. At least he was. We haven't heard him play in forever. 
But uh, White Lion had this, you know, interesting mix of European and uh, and America, right? Obviously, because Mike Tramp was from Denmark. They had kind of had a bumpy start. Like Electra signed him in '84, but uh, the album Electra didn't like it, so they terminated the contract. So what was kind of popular in the '80s is if you didn't make it here, go to Japan, release the album, see if it can go, and that's exactly what they did. And then they came back and released Fight to Survive here in America after Japan actually played it for a while. Got really big in 87 with Pride, heavy MTV rotation because of When the Children Cry. I'm sure you love that song. They do a couple other releases. Cracks kind of start to show. But I will tell you that Vito's playing is definitely influenced by Eddie. There is absolutely no doubt about it because you just kind of pick up that type of it's, I think it's in the strumming and the chord progression that kind of makes it Eddie, but it's it's hard to pinpoint, especially since I'm not a musician. But check this out. You're definitely going to hear Eddie all over this, uh, this song here. Songs called from 1989's Big Game, If My Mind Is Evil. Till I'm all 
Yeah, that's a that's a good tune. And White Lion has kind of always been hit or miss for me. I don't care so much for the ballads, but they got quite a few songs that I do uh, like. And this album was one of the albums that I actually have, but the title of the song really didn't hit when I saw it on your list. I mean, I, d- I didn't know what record this was on or anything. I went back and listened to it and, uh, you know, I enjoy it. So, you know, it's some good stuff, uh, for sure. I just never was a huge white lion fan. I guess they, they rubbed me the wrong way with, uh, when the children cry, I think. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting about that song that we just played, the solos Eddie all the way, but the rip is really more George Lynch. Right. So there's kind of like a combination. Yeah. Mike Tramp, he's out there still doing uh, his thing. Uh, but Vito Bravo just basically left the music business, from what I understand. Yeah. He's uh, after the cracks kind of start showing, they split up. He kind of went into seclusion and really didn't want to play much. And then he came back a little bit, tried it. I just don't think he wants to be in the business. Now, he owns the White Lion name. So Tramp was out there trying to do Mike Tramp's White Lion. He did some things with White Lion and ended up like the the Rat, the Queen's Right thing, the L.A. Guns thing, same thing, Great White thing. Ends up in court, stop this, we'll sue you, blah, blah. And then Mike Tramp's just like, okay, I'm done with White Lion. Just going to go do my own thing. Yeah. So That's cool. Well, so we go from White Lion to somebody that, to me, is a much more obvious choice for being influenced by Van Halen, whether it's Todd Poole, the lead singer doing splits off the drum riser or the guitar player shredding like he does in this song. Give it a listen. Roxy Blues, Rob the Cradle. Thank you. 
Including the breakdown. I'm like, God damn, that's even a Van Halen breakdown. I guess my question is, and maybe I missed it, but when Sammy is gone, why not bring Todd in? Todd would have been a great film. <laughs> well, you know, Todd was a little bit behind all of this. And the Roxy Blue, of course, part of the what are, what we're calling the Memphis Three, which is Tor, Tora, uh, Roxy Blue, and then Every Mother's Nightmare, right? They all came out a little bit the same time. Roxy Blue was behind Every Mother's Nightmare and Tor Tora. But they had this big deal on Geffen, and it was all timing. You know, they were late to the party, so to speak. And they're back together today. They're still playing. Todd Poole is still out there plugging away, and they're about to release a new record. And if you ever want to hear a great interview, go to our friends at Digital Killed the Radio Star. They do an awesome two-part interview with Todd Poole from Roxy Blue. It was so good that I was like, there's no point in ever having Todd on the show because... They covered everything with him. They did a great job with that interview. But if you ever want to find out anything, but Roxy Blue, I mean, that's a good solid record, you know? They had some good tunes on there. So definitely check that record out, but definitely under the influence of Van Halen. And the interesting part is, like, I don't remember anybody during that time, oh, Roxy Blue's a ripoff, or they're all over the magazine, the ripoff, Van Halen ripoff, blah, blah, blah. You know why? Because everybody was doing that. Like everybody wanted to be Van Halen. So they were just one of the guys, I guess. Yeah. And quite frankly, at that point in time, I really don't think people gave a shit. And when I say that, I mean, I don't think people gave a shit about rock and roll at that point. I mean, this was on the way out the door. This was the, the turn of grunge. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. So to my next pick, we're going to talk about Lord Tracy. So they're from Memphis, Tennessee, or Dallas, Texas, depending on who, do you be- who you believe and who you talk to in the band. But we're talking about this like party rock and this fun that Van Halen was. And I'm telling you, 
if nothing else, Lord Tracy has fun in their music. And I think they got it from Van Halen because when you listen to the lead guitarist play, a uh, guy's name is Jim, uh, Jimmy Rusadoff, he has a lot of Van Halen influence in his playing. Uh, Terry Glaze, who's the lead singer, some people know he was the lead singer for Pantera. Uh, yeah, the rumors you heard are true. Pantera used to be a hair metal band. And then in 86, when Pantera decides they want to go a different way, he joins Lord Tracy, and they released their first album in 89. So I saw him live three times. They were incredible live. I love that album, but they were incredible live. Tour went on and off for about 18 months, and the album didn't sell, and they broke up. So, And I think part of it was, it's 89. Second part of it was, there's, I think, 13 or 14 tunes on that album, and none of them are the same. And so there's ballads, there's like punk rock, there's like easy listening. They're like kind of all over the place. So I'm not sure if they connected with the mass audience that was connected with Poison and Crew and Cinderella and Bon Jovi and all those guys. So Terry Glaze went off to do some solo stuff. Kinley Wolf, who's a, who was a bass player, joined the cult for a while. And then in 2004, Lord Tracy gets back together and they've been doing kind of like off and on shows ever since. So Terry does a bunch of songwriter stuff, singer songwriter, acoustic stuff uh, every once in a while. And the guys play uh, together every once in a while, usually either on the East Coast or in Texas somewhere. But the song I wanted to play for you, it's off of 1989's Deaf Gods of Babylon, which is one of my Desert Island albums. If you've never heard it, you got to check it out. This is a cool track called East Coast Rose.
All right, yeah, so I love Lord Tracy. This was a record that I got into really early on, and funny is before I met you, I didn't know anybody else that really knew too much about this band except for the friends that I got this record from. I don't even remember how this band came onto my radar, I think through a friend of mine or whatever discovered this band and told me about them, but uh, this record, the record that this song's on, good solid record. So I was super happy. We've played them before on our, on our podcast, if I recall. Uh, yeah, we have. I don't remember what song we picked, but uh, like that song, those little guitar riffs, the yeah. fills right in the beginning, that's got Eddie written all over it. Because that's one of the things I absolutely love about Van Halen is that as the music is going and the riffs getting played or there's talking happening or there's singing happening, there are these really cool little guitar fill earworms mm-hmm. that make you feel good about what's going on well we talk about the influence and and you just kind of touched on it right there one of the things that edward van halen does really super well and nobody nobody really talks about this a whole lot you talk about eddie van halen you talk about the solos and eruption and all this stuff and it's fantastic but being a four-piece band, meaning only a single guitar player and a single bass player and a drummer, Edward really does well with his rhythms. He plays really good rhythms, you know, puts the songs together so that when the solo is happening, the bottom just doesn't drop out of the entire song like it would with a lot of people. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Uh, makes complete sense because, as you guys know, one of my favorite bands is Kiss. And if, well, Ace couldn't do both together, but if Paul was the only guitar player and had to do Ace's parts in between, it wouldn't sound right. And I don't know if you could do it. Yeah. That problem exists with a lot of bands. They don't, when you go and see them live, the bottom kind of drops out when the guitar player goes to do a solo because he doesn't construct that solo well uh, from a rhythm standpoint to sound good. You know, it only sounds good in the studio, I guess is my point. Yeah. What now I've seen Van Halen live 12 times and all 12 times it was with Sammy. Oh no, wait. Cause I saw him twice with Gary, but when, you know, Sammy was playing a lot of guitar when I saw them live, I, I'm assuming that took a lot of pressure off of Eddie. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I've seen Van Halen, uh, in all its forms, but, uh, whenever I see him live, it's not a problem. He's always sounded good and done really well with playing rhythm and constructing the solos, right? Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, untouchable, the guy, just things he did and the things, the people he influenced uh, a whole generation. There's just not that many people in this type of music that influenced an entire generation of guitar players. Some of the bands with some of the guitar players in these bands that we're going to talk about, we're not really showcasing them, but bands like guitar players like John five, Michael sweet. And some of these guitar players that are amazing, even the Steve Vise and Deweezel Zappas and guys like this, you know, were directly influenced, Zach Wilde, directly influenced by Edward Van Halen. 
even if the music that they do today doesn't necessarily sound like Van Halen, you know? Yeah, you you hear it all the time. And I think it was, well, it was absolutely necessary for the shredders of the world because without the finger tapping, I don't know how much shredding people were going to be able to do. We'll keep this a secret, but we talked to somebody last night that uh, we interviewed somebody last night that'll be on an upcoming episode. Uh, and he, he even said, you know, David Lee Roth was uh, definitely an influence of mine, you know? So uh, there you go. Uh, was it a singer that we talked to last night? Maybe. Maybe. Could be. Maybe. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> <laughs> There's your teaser for uh, later in January. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm going to give it away. It was a lead singer for Jesus Chrysler. <laughs> <laughs> that We know that guy, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. It's good stuff. We had him on, you know, and he said he loved Daily Roth. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Baco, we love you, baby. All right, so let me get on to my next one. It is my turn, right? Uh, Yes. All right, so next one has had some pretty amazing players throughout the band's history. And from a guitar standpoint, some really great guitar players that were probably influenced by Edward at some point or another. But the reason I picked this band is not only from this particular song I'm going to play, but I think... Ted Poley of Danger Danger was influenced a little bit by David Lee Roth. You can kind of see it in his swagger. Definitely doesn't. He sounds better than Dave, in my opinion. But uh, give a listen to this song from, it's called Screw It. And this is a song called Horny SOB.
Danger, danger in my life. I own all this stuff, but I don't listen to it enough. And I really like Ted Poley. And uh, it it is exactly the swagger, charisma, confidence. I think that's what when you see people that are influenced by Roth, they have that. Like I don't give a shit on stage what anybody thinks of me or what I'm doing. I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm trying to entertain you. That kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, they've had some amazing players in Danger Danger over the years. Al Petrelli on guitar, Andy Timmons on guitar. These guys are freaking phenomenal guitar players. And I wasn't a huge fan of the first record, even though they had that success with Naughty Naughty and Bang Bang. I actually liked some of the older stuff, uh, not older stuff, uh, some of the newer stuff, I guess is what I'm saying. Some of the stuff that came after that debut. Screw It was one of those records. There's some good stuff on Screw It and even the last record, which is now probably two or three years old at this point, but I think it was called uh, Revolve. That had some good stuff on it, but they walk that thin line of pop and rock sometimes a little bit too light for my own liking but definitely they would be up your alley i think with the majority of stuff but i enjoy a lot of their stuff i think they write some good songs you know horny sop is just a fun song it's got all the party attitude of a van halen song and kind of that um you know that uh bouncing uh riff you know so i i, I love it yeah, and if you really like Ted Poley's voice, uh, he's got some stuff out there. I think one thing was called Bone Machine. It's pretty good. But Ted Poley has some uh, solo albums out there are pretty good. Yeah, baby. All right, so the next band we're going to talk about is Autograph. So here's Turn Up the Radio. <laughs> what, you didn't insert it? <laughs> insert Turn Up the Radio. Here, Did, thank you. No, I can't do it, bro. Come on, man. It is the anthem that has stood the test of time. I love that song. Truthfully, I do love that song. I've always liked that song. But yeah, I think that I think our listeners have probably heard Turn Up the Radio more than enough. I don't think they need to hear that again. I think if we're going to play some autograph, uh, we should play something a little bit deeper than that. And definitely autograph, it very Van Halen influenced, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they're a fun band, first of all. Uh, two Steves that kind of drove uh, the sound of Autograph, Steve Plunkett, who was vocals, 
and he's got a if you remember he's got that kind of it's like a weird vocal style there's like this uh it's like this halting kind of speaking it's hard to explain but uh you get an idea if you've ever heard autograph and then Steve Lynch eight finger tapping. He's been teaching that in to kids for the last 30 years. He's been a guitar teacher teaching his patented eight finger tapping patented. technique. I don't know how patented it is. Does he it, actually have I, it patented? Dude? Did he actually know, get a certificate? He, it, he says he calls it his signature eight finger hammer on technique, right? It's a eight finger hammer on technique. I'm like, okay, whatever. Dude, I got a signature hammer on technique. Oh wait, that's something totally different. Nice. We can't discuss that. My bad. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so Autograph has had a bunch of incarnations after that huge hit. Uh they had another minor hit, uh Blondes and Black Cars. Love that song actually. Nineteen and uh wait, nineteen nineteen and non stop, yep. Yeah, that was a that was a good song too. Um, their first album is probably where they had all of their success. It was between 84 and 87. Then they kind of fizzled out. An autograph came back with Plunkett, but no Lynch. Then an autograph came back with Lynch and no Plunkett. And today they don't have Plunkett, but they have Lynch. Yep. So they're still out there. Hey, Plunkett is actually doing TVs and movies now. Hey, true yeah. fact, true fact, I wrote 19 and nonstop when I was 32. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, yeah, Plunkett's doing uh, songs for TVs and movies now. So these guys, you know, they they ended up staying in the music business and making a career out of it. But uh, there's a Van Halen flavor to absolutely everything they do. We're going to check out this uh, little ditty from That's the Stuff, 1985, Paint This Town.
kinds of Van Halen attitude on that tune, right? Even from the uh, sort of vocal stylings that Plunkett throws in there that's uh, a la Dave. Yeah, and you got the big backing vocals, right? You got the little Van Halen, I call it the horsey thing that he does with his guitar, like makes it sound like a horse. Yep. Right? You even got that thing going on. You got the dive bombs that you didn't usually used to hear until Van Halen. So, yeah, it's got Halen all over it. Yeah, I can make my guitar sound like a screaming weasel. <laughs> yeah, I can make a lot of noise with my guitars too because they're not out of tune. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. But I got an amp and I got a guitar so I can plug in and make all the noise I want. Crank it up, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, so on to a band out of Philadelphia. And this is a band that I missed when they came out back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. But this is a band called Heaven's Edge. Heaven's Edge out of Philadelphia, you know, they put out a record, uh, I think, around about 1990 on Columbia. And this was another time where music was kind of turning, so I completely missed this band. But I recently got this record. I liked it. It's got a lot of attitude. Good-looking band back then. They played a few recent dates, I think around 2013 or so. I don't know if they're a functioning band or not, but I think they play out every once in a while. Nobody really big named in the band uh, that I'm aware of that went on to do anything. I didn't recognize any of the names in the band or not. Uh, But this is a pretty good reissued record of Heaven's Ed's debut record. And I'm going to play a song off this called Don't Stop, Don't Go.
they were on the 2015 Monsters of Rock Cruise. Uh, saw them live. They did basically their whole album. Uh, they're pretty good. I mean, you know, it was. Uh, they obviously are talented because even here, there's all kinds of time changes and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're almost trying to be a little too fancy for me. I just kind of like it straight ahead, but uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. But definitely Van Halen influence out of that. You can see that in the singer and you can see it in the guitar player as well. Definitely, definitely. All right. So the last band I'm going to talk about, uh, there's a little bit of a story to this. So I'm prepping for this episode and I'm trying to figure out who I'm going to talk about. And there's so many bands, like I was getting headaches. So I'm like, all right, I got to put some music on to relax because all I could think of was Van Halen. So I'm like, all right, let me dial up an old favorite. And it's a band called Cry Wolf. So I always loved something about these guys, but I could never quite place it. I wasn't sure if it was, I like them because they're a Bay Area band. I don't know if it's because of Tim's vocal melody that's connecting. I remember they were great uh, when I saw them live. And then as I'm listening to the album, I'm like, oh my God, the guitar player, Steve McKnight, has Eddie oozing completely out of him. Like the guitar fills, the solos, the riffs. I'm like, oh, that's what I like about this band. They kind of sound like Van Halen. These guys, Cry Wolf, played the clubs for a while, weren't gaining much ground, went to Japan, did well. Uh, By that time, it was 1990, and we can tell that story over and over and over. But coupled a grunge with a robbery of their equipment during a tour, and Cry Wolf basically hung it up in 94. So came back in 2000, released another album in 2010, did a few shows, and then the singer threw in the towel. Today, they're still out there uh, with a lead singer named Dinah Shirasky. I've never seen them since 2010, so I don't know exactly what they sound like, but I love the first album. First album was called Crunch, and here is a song called Dirty Dog Night.
is Dinah a girl or a guy? I'm assuming so. Okay. Just just curious of that. I so I've never heard of this band. Cry Wolf, Dirty Dog Night, completely new to me. I couldn't find it on Spotify. I was like, okay, I need this song so I can at least listen to it. I ended up looking it up on YouTube so I could hear it. That's just a cover of the album. So, uh, you know, look like any band from that era. But yeah, I enjoyed the song. Pretty good song. So I definitely see the influence. Yeah, it was cool. The whole album's really good. You know, you'll just not like the ballad, but the rest of it's great. I'll have to check that one out for sure. All right, so we're going to get to my last pick. And uh, Sonny doesn't really like this band that much. Uh, at least that's what he told me, but whatever. Uh, the word I used was, the word I used was meh. Yeah. Meh. It's true. He did use meh. You need that as a bumper. Meh. Yeah, I use that quite often. Anyway, this is a band that formed in Tampa, and the reason I remember this band is because they were on the Florida club circuit when I lived down in Florida. And I don't think I ever saw them, but this is where I heard of them. And then they went out to California, got a record deal, put out a record. The name of the band is Juliet with two L's. And singer was total David Lee Roth, went to the school David Lee Roth, the music party rock. I think it's actually a pretty good record. Sounds pretty good to me. Old school, a little bit dated, but I love this song. Sonny was meh, but check out Little Bit of the Party.
Yeah, that song is meh. Yeah, I like it. Let us know what you think of Little Bit of Party. Is it meh or you like it? <laughs> it's... I'm not in love with the verse melody. The, the you know the backing vocals are great. The pre-chorus was good. The chorus is okay, but the guy's voice is meh. <laughs> it's all good, Hollywood. So I was thinking as we talked about these eight bands, right? So we talked about Roxy Blue, who uh, just came back to do another album, Danger Danger, who is still kind of together, plays every once in a while. Heaven's Edge, who occasionally occasionally plays. Juliet, they're doing whatever since 93. White Lion, Vito, who knows where he is. We got uh, Mike Tramp doing his own thing. Lord Tracy only plays a few shows a year. Autograph is doesn't have their singer, and they're you know uh, about half of what they were now. And Cry Wolf has got a brand new singer, and they barely tour. So... Although you can have all the influence you want from one of the biggest bands ever, it's not so easy to keep going afterwards. You got to have it can't just be the influence. You got to have the songs, you got to have the that whole chemistry that the four of those guys had that just hasn't re- really been repeated ever again. No. And I mean the influence is far and wide of Van Halen in bands that were you know, I mean, you could actually argue that Van Halen influenced pretty much every rock band in the 80s. I mean, seriously. You look at bands like Striper or Rat. Stephen Piercy was hugely influenced by Van Halen. He loved Van Halen. So, I mean, definitely their influence covers all of that. Yeah, definitely. All right, so it's time for the... It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. All right. So depending on who you believe, Gene Simmons says he basically invented and discovered Van Halen. You know, who knows? You know, according to Gene, he broke a lot of bands. But there was a point in time where Gene did connect with both Eddie and Alex. And so I want to read you a little part of the vault book uh, as written by Gene. In 1977, when we got to California while we were on tour, I had already found slash discovered, and call it what you will, a new band called Van Halen. I flew them out to New York and produced their 15-song demo at Jimi Hendrix Electric Lady Studios. When I had some demos I wanted to do, Alex and Edward graciously agreed to come in with me to cut three new songs, Christine 16, Tunnel of Love, and Got Love for Sale all demoed on the same day and night. In fact, Edward's solo on Christine was so good and done in one take, by the way, that I forced Ace to reproduce it note for note where we recorded it for our Kiss album, Love Gun, despite the fact that he didn't want to do it. So from the album Love Gun, here is Christine 16.
the growing up rock listeners i tried with everything i had in my power to get sonny to come off his vault recording of van halen doing christine 16 and his ass wouldn't do it he was afraid uncle gene was going to come to his house bust in the door and lock him up and throw away the keys or sue him for millions of dollars because he was in breach of contract the vault contract so I did try, but yeah, no luck. He just won't come off of it. But he did play it for us. He was gracious enough to play it for us. And I was smart enough to hold out my phone and record it. And I'm going to play it for you all right here, right now. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, now, you know, I, I'm sure they'll leak someday. It just won't be from me, right? But if you ever hear these three songs, the one you want to tune into is God Love for Sale because Eddie rips on that song and there was no way Ace was going to be able to duplicate that. Uncle Gene tried to tell Ace to play that solo and Ace threw his guitar out the window. That's what I heard. <laughs> true story. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how that went. <laughs> All right. Super fun. I love talking Van Halen. I love talking the influence of Van Halen. And one of these days, we're going to do an all-out Van Halen show. But this was more about the music that came from the bands that were influenced by them. And their reach was far, and their reach was wide. And I love me some Van Halen. But I like a lot of these bands we played today as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to like some of the bands Van Halen influenced because they influenced everybody in the 80s. So I'd have to stop listening to pretty much everybody. And I will tell you, 
the Stone Temple Pilots, the Alice in Chains of the world would tell you they were influenced with Van Halen. You just didn't hear a lot of it. Yeah. So. There you go. All right. Cool. What else we got to cover in this episode? Uh, nothing. Just wanted to thank all the listeners for all the comments on Podchaser and connecting with us on the Facebook page and always interacting with us on Twitter. Really appreciate it. And uh, please keep it coming because it really helps us out. Yep. Ditto. Appreciate you guys. Of course, we hope you guys are having a happy holiday season. And I think it's time to uh, shuffle, rattle and roll, right? That's right. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle and roll. Play us out, boys. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.